Unwrap your gift now, but pay later. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Our elves work year-round, installing in as little as a day. Offer ends December 31st. Visit PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. They tell me that we will see the sun at some point in time. We're just not exactly sure when that particular thing might happen. But, boy, we have been in for it. It's been just a streak of of dreary weather. I mean, the good news is we're not getting tornadoes and we're not getting two feet of snow. But it's just one of those things where, you know, hang in there because it's it's just a very bleak sort of period of time. Speaking of bleak, as I was just mentioning to Steve Scafidi, the, the... it, it, we have just recently, and by we I mean southeastern Wisconsin in general and Milwaukee in particular, we, we've had, we're in this streak where it's like one horrible story after another with, with no ending in sight, it seems. Friday afternoon, you had the horrible story involving the, the postal worker who was assassinated. And that, that was Friday afternoon. I admit I'm a little bit surprised that here we are at Wednesday at noon and, and they still haven't made an arrest. And, I, be, you know, they know that they have the, the car that did it. And, and trust me, I'm not here to suggest that, you know, any murder is more significant in solving than, than another murder. But I, I guarantee you when it's it's a U.S. mail carrier who is assassinated in this particular fashion, I guarantee you that this is a top priority of both local and federal law enforcement. So I know they're they're looking and I keep waiting to hear news that somebody has been arrested and we get some insight as to what could have possibly gone on. But but as of yet. No. And then, of course, you have that that story yesterday that we were talking about that just get, gets weirder and weirder and, and weirder. You know, three people now dead. The The story, of course, is that you have somebody driving a, a Milwaukee like DPW truck that's out on the west side and is involved in in a, a minor, comparatively minor hit and run accident on Mayfair Road and Watertown Plank Road. And then the, the car speeds off at a high rate of speed and slams into a number of cars who are waiting at the light at Wisconsin and Mayfair Road. And the the driver of the public vehicle, the the DPW vehicle, he's killed. And you have two other people that are killed and other people that are injured. And and it's just another one of these things that you just it, it makes no sense at all, just completely and totally senseless. Just trying to figure out, you know, what it what it was that, that happened and what could have caused this. And, you know, was it a medical emergency? What exactly was going on in this particular situation? But you've got this incredibly tragic result. You've got three people dead, including the, the driver of the DPW vehicle, but also, you know, people who were just I don't know about you. That's. That's that's right by one of my very favorite places along the, uh, around the holidays is the ham store. That that's right out. That's right out there. That is an intersection that I think a lot of us have have been at for a while. So you have you have that story. You have the, the typical stories that we have on an almost daily basis about cars flipping over and high speed chases and murders and things of the like. And then you have the story this morning, which unfortunately is is not becoming a rarity. Um, if you were Coming down and, and trying to get onto I-94, going through the market interchange today around 10 o'clock, you aren't going to be able to do it because 
the interstate was once again shut down because of a shooting incident on the freeway. Now, I, I don't keep exact track of these, but it seems to me that this is probably in the last, well, certainly in the last two weeks, this is the fourth incident that I can think of where the freeway has been shut down because of a, a shots fired sort of situation. And again, we don't know if it was a targeted thing. More often than not, this turns into road rage. You know, somebody gets upset with somebody else who's driving, and then the reaction is to pull out a gun and shoot at the car. In this particular case, a vehicle was damaged, but no injuries were reported. But of course, what happens then after this occurs is the, the authorities have no choice but to, to shut down the entire freeway um, while they go out and they conduct their investigation and they walk up and down the freeway and they try to find shell casings and things of the like. And, and it's, it is an incredible inconvenience to anybody else who might be wanting to come through the Marquette Interchange when the freeway has to be closed down for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours or whatever while law enforcement conducts the investigation. But it, it's just what, what goes on now, and whether it's the reckless driving or the speeding or now the gunplay that happens all too often on the freeways around here, it's something that gets people's attention. I want to I want to start off by by using this this incident this morning as kind of a jumping off point, and and how you react to things. It's no look people driving recklessly on the freeways, and let's just talk about the freeways for a moment. That's that's not unusual. I mean that that that's always. That's always happened. You can always tell stories about, boy, this person was driving like a bat out of you know where and, and, and pulling over. And, and, it, and it used to be when you had somebody that was tailgating you or would cut you off, the reaction would be like you'd honk at them or, or maybe you'd make some sort of nasty gesture or something like that. Nowadays, it seems like you have people who are, number one, driving recklessly, and number two, more often than not, they're armed. And, you know, they're willing to, again, respond by pulling out their gun. Oh, that person honked at me when I cut him off after I'm passing him at 85 miles an hour. I'm going to, um, I'm going to pull out my gun and I'm going to shoot at that person. How dare they, how dare they give me a dirty look? How dare they honk their horn at me? How dare they object to the way I'm driving? And I'm going to fire a couple shots at them and I am going to teach them a lesson. Now, that's not they always the motivation behind you know a shooting on the freeway. Sometimes these things are targeted, etc. But more often than not, it is just this kind of road rage. Here, you know, I'm mad at this person for doing something, and I'm going to pull out a gun and I'm going to shoot. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Given the large amount of reckless driving, irresponsible driving, and dangerous driving that's out there, have you changed the way you react to that? For example, when you've got the guy that's tailgating you and tailgating you and finally swings around and passes you like a bat, like I said, or you know where, and then pulls back in and cuts you off, have you changed over the last couple of years the way you react to that? And I ask this because I know I have. I mean, and it's just, you're, you know, you're, you're tempted to sit there and hit the horn or you're tempted to make an obscene gesture or something like that. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this, this jack wagon that just did that, you know, chances are... Chances are he's got a gun, and chances are better than even that he's willing to take pot shots at, at me, and it's just not worth it. You know, let him drive off and, 
you know, hopefully he'll get caught by a cop somewhere down the line or alternatively, you know, lose control of his car and smash into a pole and then he'll end up, you know, in an emergency room or a morgue or whatever. But I, I'm not going to take my life into my own hands by confronting these people. And and I will tell you, that's that's kind of the way I am now. You know, it always used to be when I was growing up and you learned how to drive, it was defensive driving. You know, look out for the other guy. Well, now I think that's more important than ever. It's not only, number one, look out for the other guy, but secondly, when you've got that irresponsible driver, you just get out of the way because if you try to confront them in any way, shape, or form, next thing you know, you're, you're, you're finding, oh, the freeway is closed and my car is damaged because the lunatic pulled out a gun and started shooting. Have you changed the way you react to bad driving around you because of, I don't know, concerns that the person who's doing the bad driving may, in fact, be be armed? 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. Yeah, I mean, it's really getting to the point where it's just not worth it. Another day, another freeway closure after a shooting, and this happened about like 10 o'clock this morning, Marquette Interchange, uh, we don't know the circumstances behind it, but most of the time it's a road rage situation. Sometimes it's targeted shooting, but most of the times it's somebody gets hacked off at somebody else, and they pull out a gun, and they, they start shooting. Um, Jeff, I have absolutely changed the way I react to bad drivers. Not that I was a raging driver before, but I only honk my horn if someone is coming into my lane unsafely. My dad is, 90, is 91, and he used to say, drive safely every time we went on a trip. Now he says, remember, no road rage. Um, Jeff, I take side roads to work just to avoid traffic and these idiots. Uh, less chance of interaction with idiots on two-lane, undivided roads than four lanes free-for-all of, of freeways or large roads like Blue Mound Road or Mayfair Road. It, but but here's the problem, and we talked about this this yesterday. If you look at, like, Milwaukee, you, you got to get around the city, right? You, if, you, if you live in Glendale or Fox Point and you've got to get out to Brookfield, well, you've got some choices. You, you've got to either get on the freeway, go through the market interchange and go around, or you have to take Silver Spring Drive or Capitol Drive, which many people think is the most dangerous road in the city right now, or Hampton or North Avenue or one of these other east-west streets where you put your life into your own hand as well. It, it's really getting to the point where you say, okay, what, i, I got to pick my poison. I, am, am I, do I, do I want to get on the freeway and worry about the jack wagon drivers who might be shooting at me? Do I want to you know, go through the war zone that is a number of our east-west streets? It, it's, it's really very difficult. Troy in Rhinelander. Troy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing today? Good. What do you think? Uh, there's, there's no doubt uh, in my per- personal case here, I, I had to change uh, the way I react to, uh, if you want a lack of a better word, idiots that are out there driving hazardly or whatever. And my, my wife is big time correcting me a lot. <laughs> and anybody who's uh, driving with uh, – Another person, uh, a wife or whatever, uh, she just, Troy, stop it. You know, and, and <laughs> usually what I do is I just put my hands up in the air like, what are you doing, right. folks? You know, but I've, I've tried to correct that, and I'll tell you why. About 17 months ago, 16 months ago, um, we were in a road rage up by about Shano, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and we were in a passing lane where it went from two lanes down to one, and I moved over from the right side to the left side, and I don't know if I left the guy a correct amount of space or what, but I had my blinker on and I was running out of real estate as far as I'm going to eventually, I got to move over. And 
this guy did not like it, and he followed me to the point where um, right. we ended up calling 911, and, and there was a pursuit on by the cops. Anyways, this guy ended up uh, shooting us with a pellet gun uh, and hit the back of our minivan. So uh, that that's a good, yeah. good indication that you, you better change things, folks, because there, there are a lot of crazy people out there, and it doesn't take much to trigger them. So no. that's kind of my thought. No, no, thanks for calling. I, and I, I agree. That, and, and that's it. I mean, it, it, look, I, I, I was never, I've never been an aggressive driver. I, I'm just not like that. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into a fight on the highways. But I, I do admit that there's been times when you got the guy that's, that, you know, passes you at 95 miles an hour and then kind of pulls and cuts you off in the lane. You know, there'd be times where maybe you'd honk the horn or, or you know, but nowadays, Nowadays, no, because it's just not worth it because you have all these people that are out on the road that have the impulse control of fruit flies, and chances are better than even that some of those people are packing heat and they're just willing to, to use it. Now, I get, and that's one of the amazing things to me that, okay, you get cut off or somebody you know makes an obscene gesture at you or something, and your response is to pull out a gun and shoot at them. I mean, my goodness. Let's talk to John in Menominee Falls. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. Uh, I've had to, I've had to uh, change my driving habits. I used to be a big honker, right? And uh, I'm not a big honker anymore. It's uh, keep your eyes straight ahead and don't even engage to look at the other person uh, if if you can, especially if they're uh, speeding like a a bat out of you know where. Yeah. Uh, as to and also the uh, uh, the incidents seem to be more in town, but yet at the same time, uh, you've got uh, the 894 bypass uh, right. that uh, is uh, prone to this, and it, it's just uh, no, it, it's all over. Nuts. No, it is nuts. I mean, right. th- it is, and thanks for calling. And again, it's it's one of these things where. And I wish I had, you know, definitive answers to it. I mean, I always come back to, you know, more aggressive law enforcement and stuff like that. And once you catch these people who are doing it, and I mean, a lot of times, you know, they keep pulling people over and they don't have driver's licenses. And then you, you know, you give them a, you give them a $250 ticket that they have no intention of paying. And then the next day they're back out again driving. So, I mean, I think there's a lot more that we need to do to do that. But it it is, this has been one of the things that, that has changed over the years that it's just more and more, number one, reckless drivers, and number two, more and more angry drivers, and number three, more and more reckless and angry drivers who, again, have, have no consideration at all and no thought of the future. I mean, who, who who gets into a gun battle on the freeway? I mean, and, and yet that happens on an almost, I don't want to say daily basis, that is an overstatement, two or three times a week. You'll hear reports of our, from our traffic folks saying, well, freeway is closed, shots fired, investigation. Let's talk to Andy in Milwaukee. Andy, good afternoon. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you, sir? I am well, thank you, sir. My note says you're a trucker, so you probably see it all. I am a trucker, retired law enforcement official of 12 years. I love your show. Great journalist you are. Thank you. What do you so, think? Yes, I, think the, I think the big problem is, is people forget the fundamentals of driving. Um, lane one is the fast lane. And as a truck driver, I see it daily, commuting through Milwaukee and Waukesha County. If you're doing the speed limit and under the speed limit, you cannot be in lanes one or two. You have to be all the way over to the right. I would say, let's just say half of the shootings that do occur on the freeway, most of them are caused because somebody is going too slow and somebody has a lack of patience 
And next thing you know, the, honk, the horns honk, and then a friendly finger gesture is thrown. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a student. It's just the fundamentals of driving have just gone away. My 16-year-old daughter just got her driver's license by the mail, sir. The yeah. mail. No road test. Yeah. No nothing. And she's afraid to drive on our roads. Yeah. Now, at the same time, Andy, let's think back to when, when, when you and I were starting to drive, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying and, you know, you, the left lane for passing and stuff like that. But if, if you had some slowpoke in the left lane, you're, the, our, the reaction wouldn't be honk on the horn, make an obscene gesture. And then if they glare back at you, pull out a gun and take a shot at them. That, that's, that's a little bit, I, I think that's, that's one of the new things that's going on in society nowadays. Absolutely. With all the reckless driving in our in our great county of Milwaukee, in the great city of Milwaukee, um, things have changed over on over time. I'm 36, so you've got a little bit more experience under your belt. Um, but times have changed, and in my day, if, if you were in the left lane going too slow, uh, you know somebody would just tailgate you, and right. you'd get uncomfortable, and you'd move over, you'd yeah. get out of their way. Yeah. Now people just. You know, people lack patience, and it's very unfortunate. Lack patience, and, and they lack respect for yep. others. Yep, no, thanks for going. And, and I would add, and they lack patience, they lack respect for others, and I would add they have the impulse control of fruit flies. Because I mean, that, that's the only way to explain somebody that's, oh, you know, somebody made an obscene gesture at me, or they honked at me, so now I'm going to pull out a gun and I'm going to shoot at them. I mean, it's just really, Jeff, what a sad commentary on a society that we can't even look at the car driving next to us on the freeway without being fearful of retribution. Yep. Jeff, I'm working at Aurora Sinai right now next to the Marquette Interchange, and in addition to this shooting on the road, my wife just texted me that at Capitol and Wilson in Shorewood, and that's, that is right down the street from where I, I used to work. That's where, if you can picture where Radio City was, where I worked for 25 years, that Capitol and Wilson is... If you grew up at Shorewood, that's kind of like right across from where the pig and whistle used to be and things like that. So that's it's that was within a, a quarter mile where I, I used to work. So anyway, um, and I saw I saw the film of this. My wife just texted me that at Capitol and Wilson in Shorewood, there is a major collision with an upside down car and an unresponsive victim receiving CPR. We're ready to move out of here. I'm from Chicago, and this is way worse than anything I ever saw there. Um, Jeff, I drove on the Autobahn in Germany where there is no speed limit, and at least there they respect the rules, only passing in the left lane and absolutely no road rage because people understand the rules. I wish we could be more like them sometimes. So, I mean, I don't. I, I don't have answers, and I'm frustrated to do topics where we don't have answers, but it's it's like one story after another, and we, we need to call attention to this because, you know, people smarter than me need to figure this out. You can't, we, we can't have to close down the freeway two or three times a week because some idiot pulled out a gun and started shooting at somebody else, and whether it's more aggressive law enforcement, yes, that's part of the answer, and whether it's more aggressive prosecutions and putting people who do this stuff in jail, yes, and that's part of the answer. It, it's, it's more complicated than that, but it does start with the fact that nobody respects anybody anymore. Hey, just a quick note, our, our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign continues, and this is, I believe, the last week. Tomorrow, from 4 until around 7 o'clock, I'm going to go right out there after the show ends, my cold notwithstanding, and um, we're gonna, I'm going to be at the Century in Delafield, and we're going to be doing another one of our collection things. So if you happen to live in that part of our listening area, come on out. 
you know, say hi and, and drop off some toys or we'll take cash donations as well as we, you know, the, the kids, the kids Christmas thing just gets bigger and bigger every year. And unfortunately, the need gets bigger and bigger every year. So tomorrow I will be out at the Century in Delafield from like four till seven. We, we've originated broadcast the program from there before. Now I'm not going to be doing the show from out there this year, but I will be out there. And so find me and, and we'll make it real easy. I'll be there with our street team and we can, can collect some toys and say hi. Least surprising story of, of the day. A couple weeks ago. Out in, in Middleton, they, they had a, a, a hockey tournament, and it was exclusively for people who are transgender. Now, now follow me here. They, they, they put out a statement saying, okay, trans women are women, trans men are, whim, are men, non-binary identity is real. And so what they did is they took transgender athletes, and they had them playing against e- each other. And so you had men, biological males, who identified as females. So, okay, they were playing against biological females who identified as males. What could possibly go wrong in this situation? Because, again, regardless of how you feel about the whole transgender issue, when you have competitions... Men are just, this is just the reality. Men have different body structures than women. And as a general rule, being a male who then identifies as as a female, that doesn't change the inherent body structure that you have, which is as a male. And if you want to go through life as a female, my my reaction is, you know, go with God. You know, that's, that's your decision. Who cares about that? But the difference should be when you have these competitions, don't we need to recognize that men are different than women? We've talked about this in different contexts. You have the, the, the biological male who identifies as a female who's been winning all the awards in, in collegiate swimming competing against biological females. A biological male who, you know, is now transgender, identifies as a woman, gone through some hormone treatments and stuff, but it doesn't change the fact that she has a body structure of, of a male and has broader shoulders and bigger muscles and all those things and is able to compete. So anyhow, they have this hockey tournament where they've got biological men who identify as women playing hockey against biological women who identify as men. So to the surprise of no one, what ends up happening is there is a a biological male who identifies as a woman playing hockey against a biological woman who identifies as a male. Apparently, the story is at one point in the event, the biological male who identifies as a woman slams another player. In this case, it's a biological female who identifies as a man into the boards of the hockey game headfirst. The calls are get a stretcher, get a medic as they haul the biological woman who identifies as a male as they, they haul him off off the ice it's just one of these whole deals about again the, the fact that if you want to have like these intergender hockey things and say okay we're going to have guys play with gals that, that that's that, that's fine and understand this but the idea that you have biological men that are playing games especially these contact games against biological females, regardless of how they identify, we, we shouldn't be surprised that they're hauling out the stretchers and just pulling people off the court. Because, 
Again, if you want to be transgender, be transgender. I don't think, I, I, like I say, I don't care about that. But when it comes to this athletic competition, and especially if we're in contact sports, the reality is that, you know, men, biological males are just physically different than biological females, and no amount of anything is going to change that dynamic. All right, let's go back to the roadways. The <clears throat> Around here in southeastern Wisconsin, it seems like the freeway system has been under construction forever. We had the construction from the end of Milwaukee County down to the state line, you know, I-94, I taking, taking care of that. And that took the longest time. That's pretty much complete. And if you were commuting to, let's say, from Milwaukee down to Racine or Kenosha, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's pretty much complete. Right now, if you drive north of the city on I-43, you're running into this major construction project where they're widening the freeway, and that's going to take probably another couple years to complete. But they're putting in, as you get into Ozaki County, they're adding additional off-ramps, they're, redu- they're you know revising things, and they're expanding it. Because right now, if you drive north from the city, once you hit like Bayshore Shopping Center, you lose lanes. And it's always a source of backups, even on a good day. Then you get an accident or something, and it gets really bad. So they're expanding it there. We all know what they've done with the zoo interchange. You had hundreds of millions of dollars that were spent re, just completely reworking the zoo interchange. And, and candidly, although it was just awful getting through that with all the diversions and the delays and things like that, now that they've done it, I, I think that they've done a really, really good job of it. At least that's that's my take on this. The one part of the freeway that has not been redone for any for, for and to any significant degree since the 1960s is that portion that starts at the Marquette Interchange and goes west on I-94 out past State Fair Park. I mean, that's that's the one part of the freeway that continues to be 1960s technology. It is a huge danger. Um, for example, they have there are there are certain parts of the freeway, like uh, out around American Family Field. I was going to say Miller Park, then I was going to say County Stadium, but around American Family Field, there are on ramps where you merge into the left lane. It's it's a design that you would never do nowadays if you build a freeway. You know, you're, if you're going, for example, if you are going east to get on the freeway, to get on 94 from American Family Field, so you want to head downtown, you, you, you merge into the left lane. It is just, it is an incredibly dangerous stretch of, of road because, again, you're, you're not used to doing that. And I, I happen to do that a lot because I've got, you know, partial season tickets to the Brewers games. And that's, that's, that's how you go back to the North Shore. You know, you, you get on the freeway right there and you're always taking your life into your own hands. But the other problem is, and anybody who drives that stretch of freeway on a regular basis knows that it just, it gets congested. There's too much traffic for the, the three lanes and then you uh, three lanes each way and then if there's ever a collision or something like that or there's bad weather just get ready to as our traffic reporter debbie lazica says pack, pack your patience because it takes forever so the governor um, when scott walker was governor he wanted to expand the freeway from six lanes to eight lanes and this has been on the table for the longest time walker pulled back on that 
because, and I'll get into this in just a minute, you had people that were threatened to sue him. They were complaining about this. You've got this anti-car group that just doesn't like freeways and you know believes that instead of spending the money on making it easier for people in cars to get around, we should be spending the money on mass transit and things like that. So there, Walker just decided he didn't want to fight the battle. You know, he was getting the, wanted to get the zoo interchange built, so he, he pulled back. Tony Evers... Tony Evers is all in, and his Department of Transportation is all in on expanding the freeway to eight lanes. Now, there's different discussions about how exactly you do it, but but he's all in on that because Evers believes that you you need again we we need to if Milwaukee is the, this link this transportation link to the rest of the state and to Illinois and things you you you've, you can't have this one antiquated stretch of freeway when you've got all the other new freeway that's around it. So he's pushing that, and he's getting incredible blowback. You've got, again, some of these groups that don't like cars, don't like spending money on freeways, want to have the money put into mass transportation. They're they're fighting back. Um, Here's the story. County committee backs, they call it the fix at six. And fix at six means uh, kind of like let's repave the roads, but let's not expand them. And so, you know, you've got a number of Milwaukee County supervisors who are in favor of that. We don't want we don't want an expanded roadway. What we want is we want to continue to be at six lanes and we'll just kind of muddle through and take the money that you were going to take to put it on the freeway and put it into mass transit options because that will That'll that'll help, you know, poor people or help people of color, whereas building a freeway doesn't help them as if, you know, people of color don't buy cars and don't need to drive out to Brookfield on occasion to work or commute in to the city to work. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. Look, here's the reality. It makes no sense to me to have done all the improvements that we have done on all the other freeways surrounding Milwaukee and then not also modernize and expand for the next 40 or 50 years that stretch of I-94 and this idea that, well, we don't need it and, you know, we should spend the money on mass transit. Look, here, here's here's the problem with that. You're not going to get people out of their cars. That's just the, the reality. The people that are commuting from Brookfield to Milwaukee or from Milwaukee to Brookfield, they're, 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 you can talk all you want. They're not going to get on a bus and take that bus out there. That's just not going to happen. We need to live in the real world. And to me, the real world is let's expand the freeway. Let's make it easier. Let's recognize that we built something 50-some years ago, and it needs to be expanded to deal with the needs of the current generation and the next generation. Fix it, six. Give me a break. 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. Look, this is the latest term. Fix it, six. And you have, like I say, all, all these, they, they hate car. The, the group essentially hates cars and wants to force people out of cars. And so the idea is let's not expand this one stretch of freeway that we have. We, you know, everything else has been expanded. It's been modernized to deal with the, the modern level of traffic and to help move goods and services through this area. But they're fighting the stretch of traffic, expanding the freeway from six lanes to eight lanes. And it really, that's been where it stood since the 1960s. But they don't want to expand this. And they say, oh, let's put the money into, like, mass transit because... 
building the freeways don't help people of color as if people of color aren't driving in cars. I, that's, that's, that's the mind-boggling thing to me. But the bottom line is that, that that stretch of road is dangerous. It is congested. It needs to be revamped. And it makes no sense to me to do what we've done with the rest of the interstate around here and still leave that back with 1960s technology. And anybody, like I say, who has ever tried to get on the freeway you know, going east, and just my example, around American Family Field, having to merge to get on the freeway, you pull into the left lane, which tends to be the high-speed lane. It's it's a miracle that there aren't more people that die in that particular area. Let's talk to Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my phone call. Sure. You know, I, I, I went to the public hearing on this topic on Monday at State Fair Park. And when you looked at the plans, whatever, right, whether it be the three, whether it be the six lane option or the eight lane option, both plans, all right, all, there's only one house that would be in, that the DOT would have to would have to annex right. by a by um whatever, and there's six businesses that would have to relocate. Whatever, plus there's um some utility transmission lines that would have to be that would have to be, that would have to be relocated. Right. When you compare the six lane plan to the eight lane plan. Because, like, one of their diagrams that they had or one of their maps, it showed the six-lane plan, and then they had it, then they had another column on it where they showed, all right, if this was in a different color, and they said it basically it, it was a, if this was an eight-lane design, this color blue here, whatever, this is the added space. And the guy literally told me, whatever, that, that it's an additional two feet, yeah. whatever, on each side, whatever, to expand from six lanes to eight lanes. And the guy, whatever, said that, and, and the gentleman said that, that, because I questioned about the about the width of the lane, right? And the guy said that everything is like he's like yeah these he's like going eight lanes he's like they are compact, compacted, but they are still within 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 standards, right? And also when you looked at the cost differential between the six lane design and the eight lane design, the cost differential to do the eight lane design was so minuscule compared to the six lane design that it, that I mean you would be a fool whatever not just to build it whatever out to eight lanes. And then somebody who was there were requested, well, why do we have to get rid of the um, the um, go to that diverging diamond pattern and get rid of whatever the current stadium interchange? And the and the right. gentleman, whatever from the DOT said, I mean, he came around. He's like, this was the design that was done in the 1960s that was yeah. built for a freeway system that was never completed. Whatever he's like, this design is so inefficient, so outdated that it has to go. Yeah, yeah. And so my take is they need to go to eight. No, thanks for calling. Absolutely, and that and. and and, and I think most reasonable people would look at that. But what's going on here is that the people that oppose this have have an agenda beyond just the, the roadways. And, and the idea is we don't want people to be in their cars. And if if what we can do is if the, the thinking is if we make it difficult, if the, the number of cars increases um, moving forward for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years, and it gets more and more congested. Some people might just give up and say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to get out of my cars, and, and then I'm, I'm going to take public transportation. Well, that's that's just pie-in-the-sky sort of stuff. I mean, here, and here's the, the, the reality, and some people just don't like to hear this, but the reality is let's say you have somebody that's unemployed, and they, they don't have a car, and they get a job, and they take the bus out to Waukesha. Okay, you're in the city of Milwaukee. You get a job out out in central Waukesha, and, and you take the, the bus out there for a while. Well, once once you save up enough money, what's the first thing you do? You buy a car. That's just how things work. 
because people like the independence that they have with, with cars. And so, yes, all right, we've got this person that doesn't have a car. We want to connect them with the job. Fine. Once they get that job, that's great. Then they buy the car and then they drive because they don't like to be constrained by the bus schedules and waiting and things like that. So the this idea that we're not going to need cars or that people are going to get out of cars is just silly. Plus, we're still going to be bringing goods and services through southeastern Wisconsin on trucks and things like that. And, I mean, look, I understand, like, right now you, you can bypass that, that whole stretch by simply, as long as you're not coming into the city of Milwaukee, if you're going from, I, I don't know, like Oshkosh and you want to go down to Illinois, you can bypass that stretch by staying out and you know, going through the zoo interchange and things like that. But that doesn't help you for the trucks that have to come into Milwaukee. We, we have an opportunity. And you know, some people are saying, well, I don't think that's why Walker gave up on the project. Well, first of all, Walker didn't cancel the project. Walker put it on the back burner because of threats of lawsuits. That's just the reality. And he just didn't want to pick that particular fight at that stage of his governorship. It says a lot that Tony Evers, of all people, and you can mark the tape on this one, Tony Evers and I are on board. Evers recognizes that it is important to modernize the freeway and expand, and that's why even in the face of this opposition from people who would otherwise, I think, be sympathetic to Tony Evers, he recognizes it's the right thing to do. So mark the tape. Evers is right. The opponents are wrong. Nick's the fix at six. That's one of our um, listeners' thoughts, and I, I will steal it appropriately. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. This is, it's always one of these difficult things when you are asked to sponsor a, a product. You know, you used to, I mean, during the news break, I, I read an advertisement for pajamagram or pajamagram, if you want to say it that way. And, and it's, and people say, Oh, do, do you ever, you know, what, what does he really know about the product? Well, I mean, I, I mean, we, we ha- my wife has several pairs of the pajamas. I've seen them. I, they're, they're a good product. I, I like it. I recommend them. I have no problem reading that, that advertisement. Now, you know, maybe you get them and you, you don't necessarily agree with me, but at the end of the day, all right. So then you just return the pajamas, but but they're a good product. I, I have no pro- problem talking about that. One of our other regular sponsors, for example, that I do advertisements for, is Built Right Furniture, and I I, I just we, we've had a long-standing relationship. I I've known the family that owns Built Right for years. Um, I, I've had good experiences with Built Right, and I know a number of you who have have gone to Built Right have had good experiences as well. I have no trouble endorsing products like that. Every once in a while. Um, I'll, I'll get pitched on something, and it just it doesn't feel right to me. I'll go like, well, I just I, I don't I don't know how exactly this operates, or you know, sometimes it might be a service where you say, you know, I just I wouldn't use this myself, and I, I have the freedom here at WTMJ to say, no, this this isn't right for me. You know, I I don't I'm not commenting on the quality of this. I'm not quali- commenting on whether anybody else wants to do the ads or things like that. And if they want to run an ad during my program, well, I don't have a say in that. But I do have a say in the ads that I decide to act as an endorser, where you hear my voice telling you, gee, this is something that I, I think you, you should use. And I, I think you, you do, again, have to be careful of that. The other thing that's always kind of in the back of my mind is you you endorse 
it's, it's how you approach and what is it exactly? If I say, hey, I really like this, um, I, I really like this, this brand of sweater. All right, for just take an example. Okay, so you order the sweater and you say, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't fit right or whatever. Okay, well, the, the, the worst thing that's happened is you return the sweater. Okay, that, that's the worst thing. There, there are other things though when you tell people, all right, here, here's where I think you should invest your money. And this is, this is how I think you should do it. And I think you should buy cryptocurrency. Not that you've ever heard me say that. Or I think you should do this or that or the other thing. Well, those, those are big type of deals because, like I say, you don't like that sweater that, that you got. Well, okay, you, you can take it back. Or worst case scenario, you're out the cost of a sweater. You hear somebody that you trust on the radio or on television or whatever say, take all your money and invest it in such and such, and you do it and it bombs out. That's completely different than being able to return the sweater. And I've always been, I've always been extremely you know, mindful of that a, as well. And I've been very, very cautious over the, the years that I've been doing this program about, you know, endorsements where you're talking about really big money investments from people. If you're encouraging people to do stuff, if if you're not 110 percent sure that, hey, this is this is something reputable and this is something good and this is something that, um, you know, I, I have my money with. It's it's um, Annex Wealth Management, one of our big sponsors around here. And. And I, I have no trouble talking about Annex Wealth Management because they, they, that's where I have a lot of my personal money. And so I'm, obviously I trust them. I have no trouble saying, hey, I trust Annex Wealth Management with my money. So, so that's fine. The problem, like I say though, is when you get into encouraging people to make big decisions that can have like life changing consequences, not just, oh, I didn't like that, that sweater or the pajamas weren't right or, okay, I, I got the, I got the rug home and I didn't like that as well. I'm, but I'm talking about here, take, take a huge chunk of money and invest it in something like this. And then if it turns out to go belly up, that's, that's a whole different story. And it's why I watch, I read some of, I see some of these advertisements that are out there. We're just getting through the season of where, where people can choose Medicare plans. And without going into too much detail, you've got basic Medicare that a lot of people are on. And then what you end up doing is you buy supplements, additional insurance to cover that. And then there's this thing that's arisen in the last several years called Medicare Advantage plans, which really aren't Medicare. They're, they're private insurance plans that provide you with insurance and in exchange for your Medicare payments, and they can offer you more, sometimes more services, sometimes they can be, than you get with basic Medicare, but there's all sorts of uh, other things that come with them, like limits on what, you know, what doctor you can see and things like that. And I've never, I've always been uncomfortable making recommendations like this because it is very, very complicated. And for some people, Medicare Advantage plans are fine. For other people, no, they, they just, they wouldn't touch them or they shouldn't touch them. So it, it just, but it just depends on your individual situation. It depends on your finances. It depends on your health. It is a very, very complicated matter. But when I, I see, uh, I turn on the television and I see Joe Namath of all people saying, well, I think you should go with this Medicare Advantage thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, you know, if you're choosing your health plan because, you know, Joe Namath is sobered up and he's telling you to do it, you, you, you really let the buyer beware. And it might be that the thing that Joe Namath is talking about is absolutely perfect for you, 
But I'm thinking, boy, I hope too many people aren't aren't doing that just because they saw the TV ad and Joe Namath is saying it. And I, for one, would never, because it is such a complicated matter, I, for one, would never say, well, this is what I think you should be doing or do this particular plan or or whatever, because it, it's just complicated. And candidly, as a, as a radio personality, I don't want the responsibility of encouraging you to get into something that might not be right for you. That's where it goes. Which brings me to the headline in the Washington Post today. Tom Brady pushed crypto to his fans. This lawyer wants him to pay up. Why shouldn't they be held responsible, says Florida attorney Adam Moskowitz. Um, Michael Libertatos saw quarterback Tom Brady in a commercial for the cryptocurrency trading platform FTX. FTX is the trading platform where the owner of it apparently stole, you know, almost two B as in billion dollars of people's money. He's now been indicted and he's on his way back in handcuffs from the Bahamas. Um, when Michael Libertatos saw quarterback Tom Brady in a commercial for the cryptocurrency trading platform FTX, he knew exactly where he wanted to put his $30,000 crypto investment. As a New England Patriot fan my entire life, you can imagine the influence that Tom Brady would have, said the 56-year-old legal clerk who lives in Connecticut. He soon moved nearly all his money from another crypto exchange to FTX. Then FTX filed for bankruptcy in a spectacular collapse that vaporized at least 10 B as in billion dollars in assets, including all the money that this guy had on the platform. Now he is a plaintiff in a proposed class action lawsuit that seeks to hold Brady, his supermodel ex-wife, and nine other celebrity endorsers of FTX responsible for luring him into a very bad deal. Um <clears throat> And so it, it goes on to say how these people are saying, look, you know, we saw the, these celebrities who were were pushing this and th- they didn't disclose how risky this is. They didn't disclose, you know, the various problems with it. He says, you have very, the lawyer says you have very rich people we love telling us they checked this out and it was OK. Why shouldn't they be held responsible? All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. All right, where do we draw the line? If you're watching television or you're listening to the radio or or whatever, and you see a a celebrity, whether it's an athlete or whether it's a performer, somebody that you like a lot, who comes up and says, look, this I think this this cryptocurrency, this is the best thing in the world, and I think, you know, unless you're a flat earther, you should be investing in this, and you go ahead and make that investment based on what you saw in that commercial. And let's be honest, that's that's why they, they have the, the commercials. That the re, What is the reason that FTX hires Tom Brady to go push the stuff? Because they know that a lot of people really, really like Tom Brady and trust Tom Brady and don't think Tom Brady would sell them down, you know, down the river. So, you know, they're investing in this based on Tom Brady's recommendation. So when it goes sideways like it does, should Tom Brady be held responsible? And if it turns out that Tom Brady didn't ask questions, didn't fully investigate this, didn't disclose to the general public how much he was getting paid for doing this, right, should he be liable for inducing people to buy, in this case, a, a stock that has now gone bankrupt, a, a, to invest on a currency exchange, a cryptocurrency exchange, that's now gone belly up. 
855-616-1620. Or the flip side is, is this just let the buyer beware? Like I say, if, if you see Joe Namath or Tom Brady or Matt Damon or Larry David doing advertisements or Madonna or whoever doing advertisements for this stuff, you just take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, that that's fine. They're telling me I should buy it, but I, I better do my own due diligence because I, I shouldn't be able to trust them when they say this is good. 855-616-1620. Is Tom Brady liable for encouraging people to make investments in something that now turns out was a giant Ponzi scheme? All right, we discuss in just a minute. See, I see that there's really two issues. One is, all right, when, when you're talking about major life changing things like here take your money and invest it in something if you're doing it because joe namath tells you to do it or tom brady tells you to do it you, you've got all sorts of, of problems at the same time from the perspective of an endorser I, I think you have an obligation to at least in good faith know what the product is and believe in in that product or else you, you shouldn't be just simply saying well i'm, I'm going to tell people to take their life savings and invest in cryptocurrency 855-616-1620 all right lawsuit class action lawsuit seeks to hold tom brady and others responsible for encouraging people to invest in ftx which has now gone bankrupt and it's determined to be a giant ponzi scheme all right is that fair Let's start with Rome in Midtown Milwaukee. Rome, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, my philosophy is if you're uh, anyone that would take their money and invest it based on what some celebrity or athlete tells them, they're not a pretty good steward of their money. Uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, you have uh, Joe Namath and J.J. from Good Times telling people that they need to contact them for their Social Security. Do you think Joe Namath is sitting around waiting for a Social Security check. <laughs> uh, I think the whole thing is ridiculous. You know, use your common sense. Uh, you know, call some of them people like Annex Wealth and, yeah. and let them make some uh, make some positive decisions for you. But if you're invested because of what a celebrity or athlete say, Tom Davis, Tom Brady can throw a football, but I'm not going to let him throw my money away. <laughs> no, that, no, my call. no, thanks for the call, Roman. Well, I guess, that, see, that's how I, I feel, too. Unless, unless you have, from, from the lawsuit perspective, and that that's that's what I'm talking about from the perspective of being able to sue Tom Brady, unless there's something that you can find that shows that Tom Brady knowingly lied to consumers, knowingly lied to consumers. Um, I, I think at that point, otherwise, he, he's just he's a spokesperson for for the product. Now, if you go back and if Tom Brady says, hey, I've invested all my money in cryptocurrency, which, of course, I, he wouldn't have been stupid enough to do. I mean, that might be, you know, a, a, a different sort of thing if you make those sort of things. But simply saying, hey, I think this is the wave of the future and I think this is a good idea for people to do it. I don't think that's the sort of thing that you can turn around Sue Brady for. Now, like I say, if he said, look, I, I have, here's the deal. I've invested all my money and come along with me because this is the way to go. And it turns out that he's lying about that. You know, if, if you've got the overt lies, but simply, you know, Larry David doing a commercial where he's mocking people like me who always thought that crypto was a really, really bad deal. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't think, 
I, I mean, I just, okay, it's Larry David. I mean, it's, it's Matt Damon. They're trying to sell people stuff. But I think on these decisions, you have an obligation to, I don't know, conduct an investigation and say, okay, do I, do I want to go with this Medicare Advantage plan? Is that right for me? No, it, it's fine for them to call attention to it. Oh, I, I saw Joe Namath talking about this, so now I want to get some more information. But unless Joe Namath is out and out lying to you, or Tom Brady is out and out lying to you when he tells you about something. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think it's a lawsuit. Now, I don't think that that's good strategy, and I don't think it's. I, you can talk about the ethics of of that all you want, but that's different than from, from from saying we sue Tom Brady, David, and Raymond. David, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, and we might as well throw uh, William Shatner's endorsements into the mix here, too. Right. To me, the, the uh, FTX and Brady thing is a matter of uh, the stupid leading the stupid. And um, if Brady, however it was, in the, which he isn't, if he were an employee actually representing the organization, you know, vouching for good governments and, you know, any, everything that goes along with SEC implications, that would be wholly different. Then if I were one of the people that invested in that, you better watch out because I will get you. But uh, in this particular case, I think it's a pure and simple, stupid leading the, the blind leading the blind. Yeah. No, I no, I right. right. Well, <laughs> thanks for the call. Uh, Jeff, celebrities are only used to entice people to listen to the advertisement. They should not be responsible for the content unless it could be shown that they knew or had reason to know the ad was deceptive. And I think that's I mean, that's that is the appropriate standard. But I mean, I do think people need to check stuff out. Um, I, I was watching an advertisement this morning. Oh, gosh, I forget what I had on. But it had the guy that was the original host on Wheel of Fortune before Pat Sajak, a guy named Chuck Woolery. And he was doing this ad for gold investments. And he said, well, back in 1970-something, somebody won $12,000 on Wheel of Fortune. I was kind of intrigued to see where the ad went. Somebody won $12,000 in cash on Wheel of Fortune. And then they show, okay, if you would have taken that, here's the $12,000 in cash. And if you would have left it in a safe, it would have still been, you know, 50 years later, it would still been $12,000. If, on the other hand, you had purchased gold coins with it, and then they showed like what $12,000 worth of gold coins would have been in 1973. This is how much it would be worth. In other words, you know, gold has, has gone up X amount. So, see, you're much better having gold than you are having cash. Now, I'm kind of screaming at the television because, all right, well, what, maybe what if they took that $12,000 and instead of putting it in their mattress, what if they took that $12,000 and invested in Apple stock when Apple came back or put it in a mutual fund or something like that? How much would they have? But that's – but. But it's not like it was a false ad. Now, I would argue it's kind of a misleading ad, but it, it wasn't a false ad necessarily. I just think that, you know, we're in a situation where you have to – it's It's kind of buyer beware. Susan in Cedarburg. Hi, Susan. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Um, Tom Brady knows nothing about business. Are you kidding me? He plays football. That's what he's good at, and that's all he's good at. All he wanted was the money from the endorsement or the ad or the whatever. He knows nothing about crypto, and if you think that you're going to invest your hard-earned money because of something Tom Brady says, you got a problem. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, all I'm those guys, any of those um, – uh, celebrities they're just after it for the money are you kidding me that's all they're interested in and tom brady knows nothing right. and as far as suing him 
I don't think you can sue someone because they're stupid. Well, I don't know. No, I think, well, think well, you, well, you can sue a lot of people, Susan, because they, they do stupid things and that causes problems. But you know, I, I agree with the general premise. You use these celebrities to call attention to a particular product. But if you're if you're making a big life changing investment because Tom Brady or Joe Namath or Matt Damon or Madonna you know tells you to do it, well, my, my advice would be why don't you just just hold off for just a minute, hold off just for a minute, and maybe do a little bit of investigation on your own. You know, one of our listeners makes the point of it's kind of like Tom Selleck, you know, Magnum PI, talking about reverse mortgages. And I, I'm not a, I do not play a financial advisor on TV. But reverse mortgages, all I'm going to say about this is if you're considering getting a reverse mortgage, don't do it because Tom Selleck tells you it's a good deal. That's that's I'm just saying find somebody you really, really trust and have them walk through the numbers. And I'm not saying that a reverse mortgage would be is a bad thing for everybody, but. Reverse mortgages, in my opinion, at least, are bad things for most people. They, they might have a for a specific sort of thing. But if you're saying, oh, this is great, I'm going to jump on board because Tom Selleck told me to do it, for the love of God, do not. <laughs> just, just just, don't do not. If you think gold is a great investment, oh, that, that's fine. Do your research and do it. But just because Chuck Woolery is telling you it's a good investment, you know, that's great. And just because Tom Brady is telling you to go with FTX, um, well, You've lost that investment if you followed that advice. You know, we were talking about endorsements and stuff. When I started, it was like in the first couple of years, there was this, this people, they wanted, they wanted me to read ads, and it was essentially saying, you don't have to pay your taxes. You know, we, we can, we can, and I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying it a little bit, but at the end of the day, it was, if you haven't paid your taxes, don't worry, we, we can get you off of this. And, and I just, it did, it did not feel right. And I remember, Saying to the, the sales rep at the time when she came to me, I said, "This this one this one just isn't for me." And she said, "Oh no, it's a reputable company. You got to do this." I said, no, I just this isn't this one isn't for me. You know, I'm, if, if they want to if they want to run ads themselves on the station, that that that's fine. But I, this is not one I choose to be associated with. You didn't want to be caught there telling people not to pay their taxes. I did not okay, want to yeah. be caught telling people not to. <laughs> former federal prosecutor says, "Here, don't pay your taxes, and we can get." And I'm oversimplifying it a little bit, but. But just a little bit. But that has been one of the great things about all the years I've worked here at WTMJ. When you know that nobody says you have to do this. I mean, people say, "Okay, here, this is an opportunity. Is this something that you would be interested in?" And I always think it's our responsibility as hosts, or you know, as the personalities, to you know, you do your own due diligence and you say, "Okay, well, is is this a is this a company that I want to associate myself with?" And then what again? What are what are the downsides from this? If I say, oh, I think it's great, go out and you know buy flowers from so-and-so, and the flowers don't turn out, well, it's not the life-changing thing. If I say, invest all your money, you know, take your retirement savings and, and go you know, invest in this or that or the other, that's a whole different story. Yeah, absolutely. There is a there is a service, like a, a weight of some sort of service, right, when you're endorsing something personally yeah. that if it goes bad, you don't want your name associated with it. Well, well right, and understanding that people, you, you know, you can say, hey, I... I I, I like this particular restaurant. You know, I, I I enjoy this restaurant, and I think you should go eat there. So you go and eat there. You have a bad meal. Well, then you call me up, or and this this happens a lot. And they say, well, I you know I didn't like that meal that I had there. No, okay. Well, at the end of the day, you're you're out whatever the meal costs you. Okay, it's not it's not the end of the world as opposed to you told me to put all my money in this particular thing, and now it's gone down to zero, and I'm going to be eating cat food for the rest of my life. I don't want that responsibility. I, I just flat don't. 
Yeah, the flowers are a lot safer than, well, than invest all of your money well, in. Well, right. You just yeah. have to have perspective on that. Speaking of which, I, I've got another crypto-related story, and it is a it is a question that I have. Now, I, for the longest time, have been saying I wouldn't touch this investment with a 10-foot pole. But, all right, after what's happened with FTX, is this still viable? I'll explain. We'll discuss. If you follow the stock market, the, uh, the Dow Jones was up over 200 points earlier today. That That is all gone away. Right now, the Dow Jones Industrials down 325 points. It's been about a 500-point swing. Same thing true with the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ was up, and now it is down 156 points, which is 1.3%. Here, here's what happened. If you follow this, the Federal Reserve um, met today and announced that they were going to raise the prime interest rate by a half a point. Now, over the last, what, three or four meetings, they've raised it three-quarters of a point. They're trying to fight inflation by making it more expensive for people to borrow money. And there was a lot of thinking that, hey, because the inflation numbers, while they're still bad, aren't as bad as they were, maybe they're going to, to stop raising rates because Wall Street and businesses don't like it when you raise rates because it makes it more expensive for the businesses to borrow money and expand and things like that. So the originally on the thought that they're only raising it a half a point instead of three-quarters of a point, the stock market was up. Well, okay, they only raised it a half a point, but apparently they also said, well, that they plan to raise rates above 5% next year. So what they're saying is that uh, even though we, we didn't make it as big a jump, we intend to continue raising rates as we move forward, and uh, Wall Street did not like that. So that's why, if you're wondering why you checked your stocks earlier today and said, hey, they're up 200 points, and now they're down 300, it's because the Federal Reserve says, we're not done raising interest rates. All right, as, as long as we're on the subject of, of cryptocurrency, I, I, all right, I have been saying this for the, the longest time. And I, I said it, we, we did one or two segments after the Super Bowl last year, because again, I every third ad, it seemed to me, was some ad encouraging people to invest in, in cryptocurrency, right? And, and the implications were you were stupid, and you were a flat earther or, you know, you didn't if you if you didn't want to take your money and invest in this, you just couldn't see the future. And and my point was, I, I just I don't if there's an investment that I do not understand, it, it's not going to get my money. And and this is one where a cryptocurrency, it, it's not like you're investing in something <clears throat> that makes something. It's not like you're investing in a company like Honda that, that makes company that makes stuff they make cars and whatever it's not like you're even investing in a technology company that offers services okay you know you invest in netflix for example well i mean netflix netflix provides a service to to people people pay money in exchange for being able to download their their shows and stuff so it's offering you something cryptocurrency to me was was never anything like that it was just okay we're going to create a, a token and then we're going to say the token here I will sell you this token for $100, and then you buy that token. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't offer any service. It just sits there, and your hope is I've bought the token for $100. I'm going to be able to find my producer, Charlie, who has more money than he knows what to do with, and Charlie's going to pay me $150 for that token. And it's still the same token. And then what's going to happen is Charlie's going to try to find somebody that will pay him $200 for the token. It, it's this 
it, it always struck me as being this kind of like giant Ponzi scheme. It's not like, hey, you've got a company that's that, that's increasing in, in value. More people are subscribing to Netflix. Oh, this, this is it. People love that service. More people are buying, you know, the Honda CRVs or or whatever. The company's value is going up. This is just the whole thing was based, at least to me, on this notion that you could find somebody else. They call it the greater fool principle, that you could find somebody who is a bigger fool than you to pay you more money than you paid for the thing. So I, I, th- that's the most simple term. I would never get involved in this. And I, I just, I, I've said that repeatedly. And I guess one of the things that has troubled me is that you know people did see these ads and people who might not have understood this decided, okay, we're, we're going to jump in and we're going to make investments. Even if it's not your life savings, I mean, for a lot of people, you invest 10000 or twenty or thirty or forty or $50,000 in something that's, I guess, has the potential to, to go through the roof. And that's what everybody was thinking. Oh, this is going to be the next new thing. Well, well, now we, we've seen what's this, what has happened here. So here is, is my question. I remember when we first talked about this, I, I had a couple people who called up or sent me emails just, again, telling me that I was this flat earth guy, that you just don't understand. I said, yeah, I admit, I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I've, I've got a minor in economics and stuff, and I've, I've managed my mon- money for most of my life. But, yes, you're, you're right. I don't understand this, and I, for one, would never invest my hard-earned money in something that I, I don't understand and that I'm just kind of counting on something that does absolutely nothing, but I'm counting on being able to find somebody else who will pay me more for this thing that does absolutely nothing, this token, than, than I pay for it. Just It doesn't seem to me to be a good investment. And I, I stand by that. And it might be that somebody – now, if you got in early on the crypto thing and you – Hey, you, you you bought it a hundred and it goes up to five hundred dollars and you sold it. Yes, you you've made money, but what you did is you stuck your investment with somebody else who's now ridden this all the way down. All right, and if you sleep with you know, then you know I'll let your conscience be the guide. But at this point in time, is there anybody anywhere that would even consider investing a dime in in cryptocurrency, or has this thing involving FTX, which was I think probably the the largest crypto exchange, has this pretty much doomed the investment? Or will there be still be people out there who say, no, no, I saw what happened with FTX, but the next one's going to be different? 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. My answer would be, if you want to do this, that that's fine. But no way would I invest the dime of my own money in something like this. 855-616-1620, WTMJ, that's the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. One of our listeners says, Jeff, you're, you're, I mean, if you invest in a company, all you get is a share of stock. That's just a, that's just a piece of paper. You are hoping that somebody's going to pay you more for it. Well, no, you're, you're, you're buying an interest in a company. And let, let's use my example of, of Honda, for, for example. You can pick any company that you want, but, but Honda has various products, right? The, the value of this, they make things. So if you, make that investment, you buy the share of stock in in Honda, you are betting that the people who run Honda, that they're going to succeed. They're going to make more cars. They're going to, you know, make more money. And based on the earnings of the company and based on what they are producing, the value of that is going to go up and people are going to be willing to pay more for it. When you're talking about cryptocurrency, they don't make anything. 
There, there's there's nothing that you can look at. It's just, okay, you've got this token that, that's there. The token does nothing. The token provides no service. It's not like you can say, oh, they, the Honda's just come out with this great electric car, and people are going to buy it, and their profits are going to go up. No, there, there's it does nothing. You're just hoping that you can find somebody who's going to pay you more for this token. And that is the classic example of what they call the Ponzi scheme. You know, you get people in, the people that get in at the ground floor, they make money because they find somebody to pay them more. But at some point in time, people end up saying, okay, we, we, we can't find any more people to continue to pay us more, so our value is less. Um, uh, 855-616-1620. Um, Jeff, I would let, but I guess my question is, is, is this going to be the death knell for crypto? Jeff, I would let a Sesame Street Muppet trim my eyebrows before I would invest in cryptocurrency. Um, Jeff, you have to be a dang fool to trust any of these type of companies. This is one of the biggest scams I've ever seen, but people out there will fall for it. Yeah, you're going to run that. You'll see the clever ad with uh, Matt Damon saying, you're stupid. And, and that's what those ads were. You know, you're a, you're a Neanderthal. You don't have the vision to understand, you know, what this investment's going to be. Well, I think a lot of us had the vision to recognize that this, you know, this this is an investment that is doomed to fail. Now, maybe you can get in early enough and get out to not be quickly enough so that you're not one of the suckers, but uh, give me a break. Jeff, um, I said yesterday to something else, it's not just no, it's hell no. I think it's a total scam. I think that the guy with FTX is a crook. Yeah, he is a crook. I, I mean, I think he's a crook as well, and he's under indictment now for bilking people you know, ten million, ten B is in billion dollars disappeared, and they, they you know, one point nine billion is, I, I think, money that he kind of skimmed out of this. Jeff, as sure as the world turns, people will continue to invest, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, probably because people are always, people are always trying to find that 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 quick thing. This is the quick way to make a buck and things like that. Jeff, I never did, and I will never put money in crypto, but I do see it still being popular as a means for illegal activity worldwide as a way to cleanse dirty money, unfortunately. Right, well, that would that would be it. You've got, you've got illegal proceeds. You've got drug money or whatever. You invest it in crypto, and then you end up taking it out and turning it back into cash. becomes much more difficult to track, but... Um, and I, I know that that's because this is largely unregulated. That's one of the appeals of this. Jeff, along the lines of digital currency, I think investing in digital art is a scam as well. Well, I mean, that's something else that I think you got to be really careful for that. Jeff, back when the old pyramid schemes were going around, police arrested people because they were Ponzi schemes. How is cryptocurrency different? I'd really like to hear an explanation from somebody. Well, you're not going to have an, hear an explanation for me. Jeff, you have better odds gambling at a casino than buying crypto. Well, I think there's that. Jeff, you can use cryptocurrency to buy a set of the emperor's new clothes. Um, well, I think there's an element of that. Jeff, I would never invest in cryptocurrency itself. However, I would be open to investments in companies that develop and sell the IT blockchain coding technology that cryptos uniquely use. Well, that, that's a whole different question because, they're again, they're developing that technology um so they're, they're offering something as opposed to just the token itself okay here, here's the bottom line of this if you 
decide you want to invest your money, continue to invest your money in this because you believe that guys like me are just Neanderthals and flat earthers who, who don't have a vision, I, I, they go with God. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to make your investments and things like that, but for all the people who invested in this because Madonna or Tom Brady told them to do it or Matt Damon or Larry David or the list goes on and on and on, all right, right now they're sitting there saying however much money we invested, whether it was $5,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 or, Lord forbid, all our savings because we thought that this was going to be the road to Easy Street for all the people who made those investments. Right now they're standing in line waiting for this bankruptcy thing, hoping if they can get you know pennies back on the dollar. And unfortunately, because... This is not a regulated industry. It's not like you've got a bank and the bank fails and you've got the government that at least provides some insurance. No, you're, you're just on your own. So for all those people who had money on, you know, with FTX on their, on their exchange, I think they're, they're pretty much out of luck and you feel really, really bad for it. But maybe that's one of the reasons why you got to think those things through before you send off your hard-earned money in the first place. All right, we got a lot of great stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Do not go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So Mike Spaulding. I had a nice surprise today. Today was one of those days. It's been really, really dreary. I, I'm fighting a cold, which it's it's one of those. It's at that stage where I, I'm I'm certainly not sick enough to stay home, but it's kind of like this a little annoying thing, you know, where your you know nose is running, and I'm during the breaks, I'm like blowing my nose and stuff like that. But it's it's, it's I'm not sick or anything like that. It's just you got to go do that. And so I was driving in, and it's raining and all that type of stuff, and we haven't seen the sun for age forever. And I sit down and I, I log onto the computer and stuff, and I'm I'm going through my email, and I see this. This notification from this national publication, Barrett News Media, which is like variety. It, it, it covers radio and TV and stuff. And I see my name in the front and I see my name in there. And I'm thinking, huh, it, <laughs> why is my name in here? What, what is the, the thing? You know, and you never know how that's going to go. But actually, um, what they're, what they're doing is it was actually very, very cool. And I want to say thank you to the listeners because you know, what they do is they got a bunch of radio executives together. I don't know what the criteria is, but they're evaluating like shows in all the different markets. The major markets, we're a mid-size market, which is like what, the, the, like 21 through 60 or whatever the, the thing would be. But they're evaluating all the shows. And um, this program ended up number four on their top list of midday, mid-market shows. Well-deserved number four. I would have put you higher, but that's just me personally. <laughs> okay, so I'm thinking, oh, that's really cool. It's number four. And then I'm reading the small print, and they say what the, 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 the closest categories were I came within like four votes of being number three. <laughs> Some guy in Buffalo. <laughs> but, it's, but it's like, oh, that, that's actually kind of cool. And, it, um, it's, and I, I, if you follow me on Twitter on at JeffWagner620, I've got a link to the story that's out there. But I, I don't know whether – I don't know what the criteria is, and I don't know if it's just – longevity or whatever but it's actually it's 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 kind of a cool thing so i appreciate that that and of course you as our assistant program director shared that news and i appreciate you doing that as well yeah well congratulations on the the ranking i know you've been ranked uh, among a bunch of national articles over the years and things along those lines but it's still you know, you don't play to you don't play for the awards, but it's nice when you get one. Every well, now right, and again, and, expect, and again it, it just it, it was a relief when again I see my name and you know congratulations too and this and I'm and it's like okay also this I'm thinking okay what 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 exactly have I done well it's it's a good thing but I also um I, I would say WTMJ is just a a great place to work I was 
talking to somebody the other day, and it's just I, I, I always tell the story. I mean, I thought I was going to do this for like two years, and 25 years later, <laughs> you're, you're still still doing this and still going strong, and I want to keep doing it, and the management wants me to keep doing it for a while, so I think we've uh, that's it. But if, if you want to see this, it, it actually was a very cool thing, and I, I wanted to say uh, special thanks to the industry folks for appreciating the show, and thanks to you for listening all these years. It's very cool to come in at number four on a list with many, many talented radio professionals. And if you look through the list of of broadcasters that are on this list, I mean, it's really it's it's a who's who, and it's a great honor to be included along with that. All right, her name is Kate Brown. She is the governor of Oregon. She is on her way out. But on her way out the door, she has decided to make a name for herself. Uh, Kate Brown announced yesterday that she is going to commute the sentences of 17 inmates currently on death row. Now, there has been a moratorium on executions in Oregon since 2011. But nevertheless, so they haven't executed anybody since then. But nevertheless, they have 17 people who have been legitimately sentenced to death, and she's decided, I'm going to commute these sentences. Here are some of the people and some of the things that they have done. Jesse Caleb Compton, convicted in 1997 of beating to death a three-year-old in Springfield. He was sentenced to death in 1998. Clinton Wendis Cunningham, convicted in the 1991 rape and murder of 19-year-old Shannon Faith, by stabbing her 37 times after picking up Faith while she was hitchhiking near Coos Bay. He was sentenced to death in 1992. Randy Lee Guzik, <clears throat> convicted in the 1987 shooting murders of Rod and Lois Hauser um, during a burglary. He was sentenced to death in 1988. Let's see. Um, Robert Paul Langley Jr., convicted of murdering Anne Gray and Larry Rockenbrandt in 1988 and burying them under a cactus garden at the Oregon State Hospital. He was sentenced to death in 2006. Christian Michael Longo, convicted in the 2001 murder of his wife and three children. He fled to Mexico before being extradited to the United States in 2002. He was sentenced to death in 2003. It goes on and on and on. Michael Martin McDonald, convicted in the 1984 stabbing death of Joey Keever after escaping from the Oregon State Penitentiary. He was sentenced to death in 1988. Marco Antonio Montez, convicted of raping and murdering Candace Straub in in a Portland motel room in 1987. He was sentenced to death in 1988 and again in 1992. Um, Ricardo Pinata Saranda, convicted in the 2006 murders of Melody Dang and her sons Stephen and Jimmy. He was sentenced in 2010. It, it goes on and on and on, but you, you get the idea. This is, it, it really is, it's, it is literally and figuratively a, mur- figuratively a murderer's row. You, you have people who have committed despicable crimes who have been through the legal process, and they have been sentenced to death. The governor says, look, I'm not doing this, and she's upfront about it. She says, I'm not doing this because I think that there's been some form of you know, rehabilitation of these people at all. Not doing that at all. She says, I just personally believe that the death penalty is immoral. 
And as a result, I am going to commute all these sentences from the death penalty to life in prison without parole. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Now, she's on her way out. So this this is her final gift to the citizens of Oregon. I am going to commute the sentences of all these people on death row. I am going to, the fact that they had the law that allowed for the death penalty, that the jury found them guilty, that the jury wanted the death penalty, that the judge imposed it. But on my way out the door, I'm going to say, nope, it's not going to happen. I think this is absolutely appalling. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the WTMJ talk and text line on the, her way out the door. Literally, the governor of Oregon has decided I have all these people or 17 people who have been convicted of crimes and sentenced to death. And they're right now, Oregon has a moratorium on the death penalty, but they're still subject to that. And you could get another governor in there who says, I'm going to end the moratorium. But no more because the governor of Oregon on her way out the door said, I just I personally just don't like the death penalty. So I am going to overrule the judge. I'm going to overrule the jury. I am going to say, all right, the death penalty does not exist anymore. I am commuting your sentences so you you get life in prison without parole. Well, and of course, you're correct. Some one of our texters makes the point, well, what's to stop the next governor from saying, you know, I just don't think these people should have to spend all their life in prison. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to commute their sentences from life in prison without the possibility of parole. I'm going to let them all out of prison after they've served 20-some years. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think the death penalty is too easy of a way out. It's more of punishment to spend the rest of your natural life in prison. Ah, not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's why everybody fights so hard not to have the death penalty imposed. Jeff, why is it taking so long to carry out their death sentences? That is a fair question because I I do understand. Look, I don't know if the death penalty is a deterrent or not. My support of it has never depended on that. It's always just been, look, you commit a certain heinous crime, and I'm, I'm sorry, I think there are some crimes that call for the ultimate penalty. I do understand, though, that if there's any possibility for a deterrent, what you have to do is you have to have the death penalty that is implemented in you, you can't let it go for 20 or, or 30 years. So, I mean, that's one where justice delayed, I think, is justice denied. Um, 855-616-1620. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, I don't think it's any worse than presidents partying their cronies who've been convicted of crimes by judges and juries. I Well, in this particular case, you're you are not talking about white-collar criminals. You are talking about people who've committed horrendous murders and who judges and juries have determined deserve the death penalty. So I think that's different. But but on the larger point, I have always, always had extreme problems with the, 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 whole, uh, the whole use of the pardon system. And, and you've seen this. You see it with Republican presidents. You saw it with Trump on the way out the door. You've seen it with Democrat presidents. I mean, Bill Clinton, one of the classic examples where he's got this uh, big one of his big finance, financier buddies who's, you know, a fugitive at the time, and he ends up issuing a pardon for him. I I just don't believe that governors should have the pardon power, period. Um, Jeff, I am all for taking away politicians, including the president's ability to pardon criminals or change their sentences. I agree that they are 
I agree that this is appalling. Jeff, I have no problems with this. It's well within her powers as governor. Um, yeah, well, it's within her powers, but that doesn't, there's all sorts of things that you can do as the governor, but it doesn't make it the right thing to do. I mean, that's just the reality of this. And, and yet the victims, she doesn't care about the victims. She doesn't care about what the victims want at all. This is just the decision she makes. I agree with you, Jeff. It is appalling. Elected officials are there to do the work of the people who elected them, not undo the word of the people who elected them. In this case, that would be the judges and the jury. Jeff, how about we pile all 17 of them onto a bus and send them directly into her neighborhood? Um, yeah, well, you, you, that, that's always kind of the issue. Jeff, I'm a Republican, but I agree with her. I think the death penalty is wrong. If they are locked up for the rest of their lives, I think it's a good decision. Well, first of all, there's no guarantee that they're going to be locked up for the rest of their lives. But secondly, I just fundamentally disagree. I, I think you rape and murder you rape and murder a 19-year-old hitchhiker. Explain to me why the taxpayers, in this case of the state of Oregon, are going to provide for somebody three square meals a day, exercise, access to the libraries, all those sorts of things, access to television. Explain to me why the taxpayers are going to do that for somebody who has done something this absolutely abysmal. Let's talk to Dan in Waukesha. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How you doing? Good. What do you think? So, actually, what I think is quite interesting is this actually is probably going to work out not in their favor at all. You see, because usually in prisons, if you're on death row, you're you're kind of sectioned off from the main population of the prison. So you usually get a personal cell. It's quieter over there. You get a little bit more privileges because there's not as many people. And now all of these guys that have hurt women and children are all going to have to be put into general population because they're no longer on death row. So they'll probably have to face the music dealing with other prisoners now. Well, that's an in, that's an interesting. Thanks. For, I mean, that, that's an interesting thought. It is how how do you main, maintain security in these sort of things? You know, the other prop. See. I appreciate that. The other problem that you have, and we've seen this in Wisconsin before too. I mean, think about the prison system. If you don't have the death penalty, all right. Let's say you you have an inmate who's there for, you know, who's there for life without the possibility of parole. How do you get that inmate to behave? What what's the penalty if that inmate goes out and and assaults or kills some other inmate or attacks and kills a prison guard? Lord forbid. Now what do you do? You put him in jail for in prison for double life penalties. It's one of the problems that's there. Now this particular governor has been extremely soft on crime. She's commuted the sentences or pardoned eleven hundred and forty seven people as of September, more than all of the Oregon's other governors for the past fifty years combined. Wow. I mean, that's so, I mean, obviously this is, this is a governor who doesn't believe in holding people accountable. And, you know, this is, this is the way they do it. Jeff, taxpayers more pay more to execute than in prison for life. No, that's, that's flat out. That does not have to be true. What happens is right now that we have in the states that still have the death penalty, you have this elongated procedure that can, can, can drag out for decades. I agree with you that you've got to have – you've got to move this through the system quickly. What you have to do is you have to make sure people who are sentenced to death have the very, very best lawyers, have a special appeals process, get their cases reviewed, make sure that there's no question about their guilt – 
But the, I agree, the idea that we're going to drag this on for 25 years, that, that's fine. And for those of you who think, well, all right, you know, you rape and kill a 19-year-old hitchhiker, for example, and you don't deserve the ultimate penalty, I'm still waiting to hear explain why. You know, why, why that is. For that 19-year-old's family, right, their, their loved one, their, their daughter, their sibling, never saw another sunrise again. And the idea that the person who did that in this brutal fashion is now sitting as a guest of the taxpayers, to me, again, I just think that that's absolutely appalling. I have no problem at all in cases where guilt is not an issue and you have not only the, the horrible situation, the horrible crime, but also the, the extenuating circumstances. I have no trouble with the death penalty, but this even goes beyond that. You can disagree with the death penalty, but the idea that you as the outgoing governor are going to use your powers as the governor to essentially thwart the will of the people who supported the death penalty and the process that existed simply because you on an individual level think, well, I just personally think it's immoral. Well, what about all the other people that disagree with you? And for people who say, well, they're going to serve the rest of their life in prison, you don't know that because like one of our texters makes the point, there's people that can come in and can say, okay, I think that they've been in prison too long. And I don't care if they raped and murdered a 19-year-old hitchhiker 30 years ago. Time for them to, to get out on the streets. And there's nothing anybody's going to be able to do to stop the next governor from doing exactly that as he or she is on the way out the door. Boy, sometimes you just sit there and say, okay, maybe I, during the break, I was just checking my, my email, both my work email and my personal email, and I got a, a, a text from my dear friend Betty, who's a regular listener, and her note says that um, one of the persons killed at the Mayfair accident yesterday, this is where the, the DPW truck careened into a, a number of cars that were stopped at that stoplight at a high rate of speed. One of the persons killed at the Mayfair accident yesterday was our daughter's best friend. So terribly sad. Um yeah, I assume that would be the the 85-year-old man, 64-year-old woman, and a 40-year-old woman um, who were all killed as a result of that. Wow. I mean, you know, but, but man, I tell you, you just kind of like, you sort of like shake your head at that, that entire stuff. And I, more details are emerging. I, we still don't know what exactly happened. All right, let's switch gears. So if you're listening to the show and I'm a little bit nasally, I've got a cold. It's not a bad cold. It's not something that keeps you from coming to work. It's just a little bit of, of an annoyance. So yesterday, as I was coming down with the cold, I'm, I'm looking through our medicine chest, and, and we don't – we have everything else you could possibly imagine. I can't, I can't begin to describe how much different stuff that we have, but we didn't have any cold pills. There were no cold pills in there. And so <clears throat> my wife says, well – you, you want me to run out to the store while you're at work and I can get something? I said, no, no, I'll, I'll stop. There's a, there's a Walgreens right down the street from us. So I, on my way into work yesterday, I stopped off because I was going to get the cold medication. I don't, as a matter of principle, I, I don't take the stuff while I'm on the air, but I, I will once I, I get off the air. So I'm just looking for, you know, like a nasal decongestant or something. So I go to the Walgreens. I, I'm, I'm in the, the cold aisle, the cold and flu aisle, and they have, there were really there were two basic brands that they had of cold medication. They had 
NyQuil, DayQuil, you know, and it was this stuff where you, you could buy it and there was like the, the daytime cold medicine and then they had the, the nighttime cold medicine and these were like gel caps and stuff. And so, but it was brand name. It was NyQuil, DayQuil. So, and I, I recognized that. And then they had their own Walgreens brand that looked, it was, it looked like identical. It was the, the same sort of stuff. They said, okay, we've got, you know, X amount of, you know, daytime cold medication and we've got X amount of like nighttime cold medication, the pills. It, it was pretty much identical, but it was the house brand. It was Walgreens. And I remember sitting there looking at that and the, the house brand was, was cheaper. I, I don't remember how much cheaper it was, but it was cheaper. So I'm standing there, but I'm thinking, okay, it's my, it's a cold. I, I know, I know this Nyquil, Dayquil stuff. I've heard of that. I've had it before. So instead of buying the house brand, I, I take the Nyquil, Dayquil. And I, I clearly, I'm, I'm sure I paid several dollars more for going with the quote unquote name brand as opposed to going with the, the Walgreens brand. And I've been thinking about that since then. My guess is the stuff is, is pretty much identical. That would be my guess. The only difference is I'm paying for that, that brand name. Now I was thinking about this as I came across a story in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Supermarkets offer more store brands to lure cost conscious shoppers. Customers in the U.S. and Europe are gravitating towards cheaper private label brands. This is the article. Supermarkets are doubling down on their in-house product lines, seeking to capitalize on the disposable income squeeze that is hitting consumers. Sales of private label products, which are typically cheaper than brand name equivalents, have surged in recent months as shoppers look for ways to economize amid soaring inflation. Supermarkets typically make a much higher profit on private label goods than they do from selling branded products made by consumer behemoths, behemoths like Kraft, Heinz Company, and, and Unilever. It goes on to talk about how during, during the pandemic, there was more of a push towards these brand names, but now that the pandemic has pretty much subsided, what they're seeing is more and more people are going out and they're buying the, what I'm going to call the off-brand sort of stuff, the, the private brand, etc., because it tends to be a lot cheaper. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Where are you on this? I mean, do, you, do you buy the, the private label stuff? Do you find that there's really no difference except for the fact that the private label stuff saves money um, or or does it does it depend i mean I'll, I'll give you another example i was in store the other day and i i, I like diet root beer and for some reason that my my diet root beer of choice is like the A&W diet root beer for some reason i haven't been able to find it anywhere the stores that we go to and so i don't know about a week or so ago because i couldn't find the stuff i liked i bought some of this this off brand like diet root beer it's it was just awful. <laughs> it was just it was just absolutely awful. It's like okay, well, I understand why they're selling this for three ninety nine for a twelve pack because if they charge four dollars, nobody would buy it. But I mean, I learned my lesson in that particular case. There was a huge difference between the diet A and W and that I couldn't find and and the off brand stuff. But I don't know. I'm standing in Walgreens the other day and I I, I ended up buying the Night Quill Day Quill. I know I paid several dollars more. Is if if I had just gone with the private brand. Would would I've gotten the same essentially the same sort of medication and still had an extra couple bucks in my pocket? How are you dealing with this? We discuss in just a moment. I guess what it really comes down to is when when you're in the grocery store 
and you see the bottle of Heinz ketchup, and next door to it is the the generic brand of, of ketchup, the you know pick and save or Kroger ketchup or, or whatever, and the Kroger ketchup is, is cheaper. Is is there really a difference in that? Are, are you just are, are you just being dumb buying the Heinz brand ketchup because you you've heard of it and it's advertised? Can you get the same thing? I mean, I actually went through that with with cold medication yesterday and ended up yes. And somebody saying, "Well, you you of course paid for the more expensive stuff." Yeah, I I, I guess I, I just I knew that the Dayquil Nyquil stuff worked. Didn't know about whether the Walgreens stuff would work, and I just didn't want to deal with it. So, yes, I, I bought the name brand stuff, but more and more people are starting to go to the, the private brands. Is that you? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Chris on the west side. Chris, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I'm not sure about all of the products, but one story that I know of, um, my mom and her friends used to drive up to Belgium. There was a cannery up there. And when cans were dented before they were labeled, they would put them in a case and you could buy them for really, really cheap. But one of the things that the people in the um, factory told them was that they canned the the vegetables from around Wisconsin. And then the buyers for Green Giant, Kroger, whoever would come in and say, okay, we want a thousand cases of this and two thousand cases of that. They would provide the labels. They would be slapped on the cans, yeah. and they would be shipped up. So they were all the same product. So it's all the same thing. So in that particular case, does it doesn't make any difference the the canned peas or the canned peas, regardless of of, of what the label is on them. Pretty, pretty much, and it's kind of a humorous story because the the, the uh, cans were unlabeled. Um, they would, you know, just use a magic marker to put the name of them on, and my mother would give me some, <laughs> and I could always envision it driving back to Milwaukee and getting stopped and trying to explain why I have to <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks. Well, I get it, but then you just kind of tell the truth. Now, again, it's, it's sort of... I, now, some stuff I, I notice the difference, but it, it might not be an apples-to-apples comparison. Like I say, the the, the the diet root beer thing, I mean, I, I bought the kind of off-brand sort of stuff, and that was... That was, I, I noticed the difference in that. Would it have been different if it's ketchup? Now, here's one of our texters. Jeff, <clears throat> I always bought the Heinz ketchup. Now I buy the house brand at Pick and Save, and I think it's actually very good, and it's a dollar thirty cheaper. Jeff, when it comes to medicine, I buy the cheaper store brand. If you look, the ingredients are exactly the same. Some food items like Diet Coke or Coke Zero or Doritos, I spend the extra money. Um, it's pretty hard to find a good substitute for Doritos. Jeff, I don't buy Heinz because it's more expensive. I think the generic tastes the same. And of course, the profit goes to John Kerry, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to um, Gary in Kokana. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Hi, Gary. Good afternoon, whatever. Yeah. Hey, um, the lady's right. Uh, my neighbor worked up, uh, lived up in Okano and said the same thing about the vegetable canning up there that they just slapped a different label on it, so that's true. Um, but I want to talk about, I bought uh, premium saltine Nabisco crackers for years. My parents always bought it. I did it for years. Um, but now I buy Cravens, which is Piggly Wiggly's uh, store brand uh, cracker. Okay. sure. The wheat, the wheat ones, and it's excellent. It has low calorie, uh, the salt, and the taste is extraordinary when i go to festival 469 a, a box if you if you might get 
two for seven dollars on sale. But the deal is, uh, try the Cravens. And I'm not going back to premium Nabisco, but I did like it, and I used to buy uh, 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 Ralston Purina uh, wheat checks all the uh-huh. time. And that's gone down the tubes with uh, General Mills or whoever owns it now. So uh, these corporate takeovers kind of ruin the product, too. Yeah, thanks. well, there, there's no doubt about it that they're always, you know, the, the products are always shifting. And just because, you know, you, you like a particular mustard, there's no guarantee that that's the same mustard that you've grown up with. They might change it. Jeff, I think the best way to save a buck is actually on medications that are store brand versus name brand. The FDA only allows differences in flavorings and additives. So at the end of the day, it's really the same product. Jeff, name brands versus store browns, brands, over-the-counter medicine, you can tell the ingredients and amounts to determine if it's the same or not. Food, you can't, and I believe the name brands are often better. Well, that's, you know, that, that's an interesting thing. Now, of course, I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and maybe it's something to think about in the future, but I'm, I'm, I don't feel good. I'm on my way to work. And it's like, okay, I guess, you know, I could stand there and compare the, all right, what, what are exactly the ingredients in the, the, the daytime cold medication that's the brand name versus the, the store brand name? I, I just, life is too complicated for that. But I understand that that's probably something that's worth doing. Um, Deb in Hales Corners. Deb, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Deb. Um, there, I worked in a pharmacy and a huge chain pharmacy, and there is a difference in some of the formulas for, let's say, for Synthroid medication, for thyroid issues. Um, a lot of endocrine doctors will only prescribe the name brand Synthroid because of the levels and the, the makeup of the generics are different. And you could bounce back from this generic to that generic depending upon what the pharmacy has. And that can make a difference when you get your lab work done. The other thing about food is there is a website, and I can't, I haven't looked at it for a couple of years, that you can actually go and see who makes the store brand. Because like that other gentleman said, they'll just slap a different label on it. Right. And Costco, their Kirkland brands are often like uh, their coffee. Some of their coffees are actually Starbucks. And so, you, you know, you can compare which is which. I mean, there are some products that I, the guy was talking about crackers. I will only buy the name brand crackers because I tried a store brand and they were awful. And um, so it just depends. But there is a website you could probably look up. And I know that at the time, Pick and Save was one of them or Roundy's brand was one of them that you could see who actually made the product, which was surprising how many were actually name brands that they just relabeled. And one of the ways you can sort of tell is the color of the package. Right, so Deb, okay, so you're, I, I'm standing in the drugstore yesterday. I, I've got the, I've got the, the the Nyquil, Dayquil, and I've got the just Walgreens brand. Okay, you're, you're you're me. What do you do? Which one do you grab? I would absolutely look at the label, but I've worked in the pharmacy actually that one, and you look at the label and you see what the difference is. And there can be differences, and it, right. especially in the dyes of it. And I would rather buy the more expensive one if it doesn't have a certain dye in it or that kind of a thing. The medication itself um, is usually the same levels. And 
but you just have to, you know, compare oranges yeah. and apples and see which one you want. Yeah. I often buy, when it comes to stuff like that, nine times out of ten, I will absolutely buy the name brand. Yeah. And so, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. But you're, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's one of these things where that's what I probably should have done is sat there and researched. But I guess the, the, the point of the story is, regardless of what I did, uh, uh, more and more people in an effort to save money, they, they are switching to, I'm not going to say generics, but I'm switching, they're switching to the off-brand sort of stuff. That's kind of the wave of the future. And candidly, it is a concern to some of the big companies like Unilever and Heinz because they're, they're starting to lose market share to, again, some of the, the non-label stuff as people try to say, okay, well, does the ketchup really make any difference? And if I can save a dollar thirty, well, I'm going to save a dollar thirty.